Hey, and welcome back to the Local 636 Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ed Akers. Thanks for stopping in with me today. I want to make sure while you're here, if you could subscribe, like, leave us a rating, do all that on whatever platform you're listening to, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, find that subscribe button, hit it, uh, leave us a review, preferably five-star if you're going to do that again. That just helps us get up in the rankings and uh, making sure we can still keep bringing you the same content. If you're not following us on socials, that'd be great if you could do that too. On Instagram, we're local.636. On Facebook, local636. And we also have a great Facebook group called Local 636. So go check those out, please. Lots of cool stuff coming up for Local 636. I've been teasing it for what seems like forever. Not quite ready to let you in yet. Uh, One more week. I'll have some cool news next week, I promise. But don't let that stop you from listening to this episode. I'm joined by Mike Elam, the voice of St. Charles. If you've ever been to a charity event, fundraiser, uh, turned on the radio, chances are you've heard Mike Elam speak. And once you hear him speak, it's a voice that in a good way, you will uh, remember. Maybe one day I can battle him for that voice of St. Charles thing, but he's got that pretty locked down right now. Mike's got a great story. We actually have a lot of similarities, a lot in common just in you know, going to school for, for broadcast journalism. Mike stuck with it, um, and uh, that's been awesome for him. And uh, he's a great guy. And I think uh, you're going to enjoy this interview. I, I want to tell you real quick, Mike also, aside from doing all these other things and being the voice of St. Charles, has served on the St. Charles County Council for, I'm not sure how long, but for, for a while, and he's done a great job there. He is having a fundraiser. He's up for re-election this year. So he's having a fundraiser on Wednesday, February 16th. It's hosted by the St. Charles Realtors, and it's at Public Schoolhouse in Cottleville. Great place. Hopefully we'll have uh, them on later and we can talk about that. But uh, the event is Wednesday, February 16th at Public Schoolhouse in Cottleville. It's at 5546 Chestnut Street. Um, The suggested donation is $100 to attend. There's also some different sponsorship levels for a little bit more um, appetizers and refreshments provided, as well as a cash bar. Um, as far as contributing, you know, a, a political campaign obviously takes some money to run. He's got to print flyers and uh, yard signs and mailers, and uh, it does cost money to do that. And that's why these guys are, are out there trying to raise funds to do that. Mike's a great member of, uh, of the county council. You can go to MikeElam.com, MikeElam, E-L-A-M.com. And uh, hopefully I'll see you there. For now, enjoy my talk with Mike Elam. Am I going to miss out on something because I was a snob about it? So that's a good attitude to have. I mean, I don't. I just think if I'm a if I'm a snob about that kind of stuff, then it limits my choices. But yeah, I'll try all kinds of stuff. Sure, but there's nothing that 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 you have to have. Let me give you an example. Okay, we mostly shop at Aldi's for our groceries. Okay, I have to have Hershey's chocolate syrup. I've tried the other stuff. It's just not, it's not that it's bad. Right. It's just that for 50 cents more or a dollar more or whatever, I'm going to get Hershey's. And that's what I'd like. Yeah. Yeah. Once I know there's something that I like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go back to it. Okay. But if I can't get it, it's not the end of the world. Okay. Does it's not going to prevent you from, from getting something. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, you know, I don't have to have Starbucks. Right. If, if I drink McDonald's black coffee, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. You're fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm most interested in your story. I know you. I think a lot of people know you, know who you are, right? Um, I don't really know your background or how you got to where you are. Okay. And so um, that's not really a starting point, but yeah, I know you, we talked about this a little earlier. You went to the University of Arkansas. I did not. You did not. I went to Arkansas State. Arkansas State. Hang on. That is the, oh man, I was going to give you a woo pig suey, but. Arkansas State is. I am an I am an Arkansas Razorback fan. Okay. I am. What's die the hard What's Hawk the Arkansas fan. State mascot? So now they are called the Red Wolves. Oh. Because they used to be the Indians. Mm. Yeah, it can't be an Indian anymore. Right. Welcome to the politically correct world. Um, so they changed their mascot a number of years ago to the Red Wolves. No idea why. Why it became the Red Wolves? It's interesting to- that well, so so Simo changed. They were um, what were what was Simo? I don't know. But they're now, they changed it to red something, didn't they? Am oh, I, I off on that? No, I think you're right. I think you're right, but I, I don't know what they are. 
Yeah, I don't either. My daughter's at UCM, and I even went to a UCM football game, and I don't, I don't know what they are. <laughs> it's like you used oh. to care a lot more about that stuff. I did too. Yeah, but not not so much anymore. So you grew up in Arkansas. I did well. So I was, I'm originally from the Boot Hill. Okay. I was born in Donovan, Missouri, and then went to Pickett, Arkansas, and then went to uh, Berryville, Arkansas. Are we recording? By yeah, the way, yeah. Oh, I didn't know we were recording. Yeah, it's okay. So I didn't know. I didn't know. What I like we the were natural. Doing. It's just a conversation. I didn't know we were starting. Everyone else is just a fly on the wall. There you go. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah. So uh, the Mike Elam story. Son right. of a uh, <laughs> son of a Southern Baptist minister. Oh, now you're on. Now, now I'm on. Now, <laughs> now we're on. So, well, you you're like, what's your story? So, uh, yeah. So, uh, my dad was a pastor at First Baptist Church in Donovan, Missouri. Okay. And my mom was a school teacher. So I was born down there in '66. Do your math. Yeah, um, I'm not right now. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> and then we moved to when I was eight. We moved to Pigott, Arkansas, which is still in that. Boot Hill, okay. of Missouri, Arkansas area. Okay. Lived there till end of seventh grade. And then we moved to Berryville, which is in Northwest Arkansas, about 40 miles south of Branson. Okay. So I moved from Northeast Arkansas, top of the state to Northwest Out Arkansas. Out of the area. Okay. I just yeah. cut straight across Highway 62 and, and gotcha. got there. So uh, have you ever been to Eureka Springs, Arkansas? I haven't, it's but great. I, I know that it's a nice place. I've heard so nice things about it. It's a crazy little funky town. Uh, that has the Crescent Hotel, which is okay. haunted. Okay. Um, it, it's it's really cool. Um, if you ever get the chance to go, you should go. There are no cross streets in Old Town Eureka. So it'll the street will come in, it'll it'll turn like half a block, and then it will continue again. Same name of the street. Okay. It just doesn't cross. Oh, it gotcha. makes a little turn. <laughs> there was a lot of drinking involved in laying out the streets <laughs> in Eureka Springs. What is that? Cl- is that close to Branson as well? Yeah. Okay. The, so Eureka Springs is 13 miles away from Berryville, where I grew up. Okay. So normally I'll use either Eureka Springs or That's your, Branson gotcha. as my landmarks because I was 40 miles south of Branson. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, I've heard of people going there, I think, when they go to Branson. I think that's why it's familiar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the country music um, old person capital of the world. Branson you know, is. Branson is. Yeah. Because, you know, you have Nash Vegas, which is the sure. country music capital of the world. Yeah, but that's even changing. Oh, my God. I mean, that's... uh. You know, I, I listen to a lot of, um, it, it's called the scene, but you know, punk and metal and hardcore. A lot of those bands are uh, based there now. Oh, really? A lot of them. Uh, they tour out of there. They live there. And I think it's, you know, centrally located. It was inexpensive. It's not anymore. It's not anymore. Um, well, I mean, when you compare it to LA or New York, yeah, it's still, still there. Yeah. a lot less expensive. But-, but I think they had the infrastructure there. With the country music, with producers right. and studios and venues and all this stuff. Yeah. And so it's like, well, hey, we can we can do this too. And then, I don't know, I know you said you were there last week, but Franklin is a, yep. that is uh, popping right now. I is don't know it? what that means. Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of the... That's, it's just south of Nashville, mm-hmm, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 15 miles south. That's yeah. kind of like the... It's the St. Charles of Exactly. Nashville. I was gonna, It's the St. Charles of Nashville and it's the French town to St. Charles of... That. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like the artsy... Ah, yeah. So it's their version of Austin, Texas. There you go. That's okay. probably a better artsy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, okay. all right. So you're in. You grew up there. You go to college at Arkansas State. Arkansas Jonesboro. State. Yep. Radio TV major. Radio TV. That was Ran my major. Ran out of money for college. Yeah. Um, my sister and brother-in-law were in the Naval Reserve. Okay. Um, sister's a nurse. Brother-in-law was also a medical community, and they're like, "You should join the Navy." Huh. And uh, this is when you're in college. This is why I was in school. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't have any money. In between my freshman and sophomore year of college, my family became rich. Okay. Um, They didn't make any more money. All right. But in qualifying for a a Pale Grant, we went from qualifying Uh for all this money because we were poor. (laughs) Sure. To we didn't qualify for anything because we were rich. Yeah. But my parents didn't make any more money. So it was weird. Yeah. But that was the 80s, right? Welcome to it. Um, <laughs> so it's like, okay, I, I need money for college. And yeah. they said, join the Naval Reserve. You'll you'll get money for school. And yeah. You only have to do drill one weekend a month. You do summer duty two weeks a year. It'll be great. Stay and in like, school and do it? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, this this will be great. So I, um, I leave college in uh, the end of 86. Don't have a degree, um, but the idea is I'm going to take this time, go join the military, get my training, 
Um, and then I'll join a reserve unit and I'll keep going back to school. Yeah. So I did the training and I said, I don't really want to go back to Jonesboro. Okay. So my sister and brother-in-law lived in Little Rock and they said, um, well, you can live with us down here if you want and do drill with us. And I'm like, okay, that sounds great. So I moved to Little Rock and I thought, I, I really don't want to go back to college. Hmm. So I got a job at a radio station there and worked kind of bummed around a couple of different radio stations. Were you doing, um, what producing or were you on the air? So I was on the air. Uh, I was, you just got a job on the air. Well, okay. So back up. (laughs) How long do we want to make this? The reason I, the reason I ask is because I also went to school for broadcast journalism. That was my degree. And my story is, uh, I mean, I won't tell the whole thing, but I mean, I found it very hard to break into that field. Right. Um, and just having to intern and having to beg for chances. And then when I get chances and I think they're good chances, they don't pan out. And so, you know, there's a lot more to that for me. But so when you said what like, what did you want to do in radio though? Um, I don't know. I, I wanted to be on the air. Okay. So I, I, from a young age, I would fall asleep recording one Oh five, seven, the point. Okay. And I would, listen to it not only for the songs, but for the information about the songs. I would listen to the DJ. Right. Uh, I was one of those kids that called into the radio station in the nineties and the DJ would talk to me and some of them and they were cool. And to me, that was the person that was bringing me this music that I loved. They were giving me the information. They were playing it for me. They were essentially in control, even though they weren't right. But you know, on the other side of the speakers, that's what I saw. They were in control. I wanted to, be that person for other people. Exactly the same. Okay, cool. Exactly. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, when when I grew up in Berryville, we had Springfield Radio. Okay. And there was uh, Woody P. Snow was the morning guy in Springfield. Mm-hmm. And I thought Woody P. Snow was awesome. Yeah. Um, I got a job at our local radio station in Berryville. Part-time kid. And I would do anything yeah. that you wanted. I mowed the grass at the radio <laughs> station. I helped. It, it was um, independent owner, AM, FM, combo station. Yeah. Um, ran on a big automation system. Music was on reels from TM Century. Yeah. And uh, had commercials were on carts. Uh-huh. And they had cart carousels and all this stuff. So he taught me how to program the automation system. And what I found out was... Uh, the owner's son was the operations manager, program director. Okay. And he was just a, a lazy guy who didn't want to do anything. Typical. But he wanted to make money. Yeah. Right? So he found this high school kid who would do all the grunt work. Sure. Because to me, I'm in radio. This is cool. Yeah. It's my hometown radio mm-hmm. station. And when you live in a town of 3,600 people, then that's a big deal that, that you're on the radio. Because yeah. everyone in town listens to that station. That's, and yeah. then the people in Eureka Springs and the people in Green Forest also listen to it because we did all their games as well as ours okay. when we carried the station, the, the games locally, yeah. right? So I would do all the grunt work and he would give me these hours because he would rather pay me than him do it. Sure. Meanwhile, he could sit back and just do whatever he wanted to. It was before we all had internet. Yeah. So he wasn't playing on the internet, but he would he would chain smoke a couple packs a day <laughs> of Marlboro 100s. Yeah, and, sounds uh, about right. There you go. So I got the opportunity to do all that stuff, and I wanted to be Jack Buck. Okay. My my first job was board hopping Cardinal baseball games. Oh, wow. And then board hopping Razorback football and basketball. Yeah. So it was cool for me some 25 years down the road when I got a job at KMOX. Oh, wow. And, yeah. I mean, I was in sales at that point. We can get to that journey if you want. It's not that interesting. But okay. um, I, but you're I, in the same studio. And, I, yeah. I know. The studios that yeah. I used to hear these guys do closed circuit yeah. stuff and do the countdowns to the beginning of the games. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, I'm here, right? I am yeah. in these studios. Yeah, it's this cool. is where it all happened. Yeah. This is where Jack Buck used to be. So I, I thought it was, it was really cool. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, my radio venture went from, I, I spent, 10 years as a jock, 10 years as a production director slash creative services director. Mm-hmm. Same job. They just changed the title. Right. And then uh, August of, uh, shoot, my daughter's 19. 
So when my daughter was born two years after that, um, I went to my general manager and said, I need some so like more money. Early 2000s? This, yeah, this was 2002, okay. August 2002. Okay. Um, I had to do the math real quick yeah. and figure out what year was my daughter <laughs> born. Okay, yeah, that was it. So I went to my general manager and I said, uh, hey, man, I just had a third child. I really need to make some more money. Yeah. He's like, Mike, you're, you're maxed out for what I can pay a production guy. And I'm like, seriously? He said, yeah. He said, I'm sorry. I just can't pay you anymore yeah. for that job. And I said, well, what if I went into sales? Mm, and there it is. he about fell off his chair because I had always referred to media salespeople as the dark side. Okay. Um, and he said, seriously, you would go into sales? I said, John, uh, we have people show up at the station that I'm just proud they found the building today. <laughs> and they make double what I make. Yeah. And I said, if they can do this, I've been doing radio my whole life. I know how to talk to people. I can, I can do that job. Sure. He said, I think you can do the job too. I'm just trying to get over the fact that you actually said you would do it. Yeah. So he put me at Smooth Jazz, 106.5. Okay. And it was before it became the Arch. And it was part of the River and WIL and 106.5 were all part of a combo at the time. So just for, um, because I think I, I think I understand what you mean when you talk about them being the dark side, the, the visual that I want to paint is that you're in here doing the work, being on the air, right? They're out selling, I'm using air quotes, selling, right? The accounts and they, they almost kind of control, they don't really control what goes over the air, but they have a lot more say than you do, right? Well, as, they're, as the they're advertiser, and, with clients, yeah, they're leaving early. Yeah, I'm there. I have to wait for them to turn all their stuff in, mm-hmm. and then it goes through the uh, traffic department. They assign a, a number to the commercial, yeah, and then I get all the stuff at the end of the day, and they just come and just dump it all in your studio and go. Here's all the commercials that have to go on the air tomorrow. Yeah, and you're like, crap. Uh. And the salespeople are like, what do you care? It's a 60 second spot. It'll take you no time to oh, get this Oh yeah, they done. don't realize the I'm work like, that goes into that. It's a bar spot yeah. that you have three different voices and music changes mm. or it's a concert spot. Like I got to cut all this stuff. That yeah. one 60 second spot is going to take me an hour well, and depending, to put together. Yeah, and depending on how far back you're going, you know, I, I had, uh, I forget the software, cool let something, you know, oh, that yeah. you can dra- drag and drop in there. If oh, you're going I, back I, further than that. I started on tape. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're cutting tape. Yeah. To put all this stuff together. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, you're an a hole. I can't believe it. You just <laughs> did this to me. So you know, I I get to work at at ten and I get home at eight. Mm-hmm. You know, from putting all this stuff together. And so I'm thinking, I I want to go to lunch with clients and have the station pay for yeah. it. And yeah. I want to go to you know, bar gigs and not have to work yeah. and just run up on the station bar tab. I'm like, yeah, yeah. this sounds like fun to yeah. me. I'll, I'll go do that. So I, I moved into sales and he put me at Smooth Jazz and it it worked out great. And then that turned into the arch. And um, then I left there and went to KMOX okay. uh, for what an old program director of mine referred to as a cup of coffee. Uh, okay. So I was, yeah, just I was a short amount of time. 14 months. That I was there. Yeah. Loved the people, hated working for CBS. Okay. Just to, when you think of a corporate environment, that's everything it. negative that you would put into that, that's who they were. That was it, huh? Just didn't care about people. I'll just burn through people left and right. And that's just how it was. Yeah. So left there and got into TV at cable. So went to Charter. Oh, that's worked right. At, worked at Charter for 11 years. And then... And that's when I met you. I think you were yes. at Charter. And you were in media sales there as well? I was in media sales there and yeah. ran, a, ran a sales team at that point. So okay. I was a sales manager, one of the three that we had. That's a similar... Uh, not not similar in that I worked for CBS or Charter because I didn't. But uh, obviously, I'm in sales myself. And it's... What is that about that? You're good at talking on the radio, so you're good at talking to people. Is it as easy as that? It, I, I don't think it works that way. But Yeah, I don't think it, so either. There's uh, something... Although I will tell you, there's an awful lot of media reps who get into insurance. So, really? Yeah. I mean, if, if you stop and think about it, we used to talk about this all the time when we were having media sales conversations, right? Okay. Internally in the building. There's not a lot of people who retire from media sales. They leave media sure. sales, go do something else and end up retiring. Go sell something else. So a lot or, of yeah. them, they leave doing... I mean, it's... You're selling air. 
at the end of the day. So if you can sell air, you can sell anything. I don't have a tangible product that I can give you. But, yeah. You know, well, if, that's insurance too, right? I mean, well, you're if not insurance. If, yeah. If you wreck your car, I can replace your car. Sure, but right? you're not getting anything when you buy it. You're, you're getting a piece of a mind, piece of paper right? and a promise is what exactly. we said. A yeah. piece of paper and a promise. That's it. And an insurance guy that you love. So that's <laughs> hopefully that's, that's why you come to Acres Farmers. If it's me, Wink. Right? Um, so take me back. I want to go back to. I want to go back to college or uh, not college, but I guess working for that first radio station, mowing the lawn. Yeah. And I also want to paint this picture because I worked at a similar place. You know, I think people here in St. Louis area think of radio stations like, what do you mean mow the lawn? Like it's, (laughs) but these radio stations, the one I worked at was in Laurel, Mississippi was just an old house. Yeah. You know, it had a front yard and a backyard and a driveway and very similar. Had a big AM antenna out back yep. <laughs> that you, you didn't touch because it would fry you if, if you're touching the ground. That would be bad. But yeah, it's, it's similar kind of deal. So you're mowing the lawn. You're doing whatever you can. I imagine they're letting you on the air every once in a while. So I would do a 15-minute newscast every night. Okay. Um, use the same sound that the morning uh, news director mm-hmm. would put together. Of He would cover the school board meeting and the... sure. Uh, county council meetings and all that kind of stuff and get yeah. sound, right? And then you would have wire copy that you'd rip off the AP wire. Okay. And AP would have a Arkansas news update and then mm-hmm. it would have a, a national news and it would be the top four or five stories at the time. Okay. And you would cobble together a 15-minute newscast that I would do from 9.05 to 9.20. And I was horrible. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how many people would listen at sure. night. But I would be there in the evening from seven to midnight, yeah, and changing tapes, cleaning, you know, doing stuff like that. It's not about. I mean, you don't know it in the moment, but something I'm working through now too is it's not about are you good, are you bad. It's about doing it, right? Are you willing to put the time in? Yeah, yeah. But doing it and getting better and figuring out if you like it, what you are good at, right? So you're you're practicing. Exactly. Yeah. And and I was getting paid to practice. Yeah. And I was I was involved in something that I loved. You know, sure. just like what you were talking about, mm-hmm. listening to those voices on the radio. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they were bigger than life. Right? Sure. DJs were amazing. Yeah. Little did I know, DJs were poor <laughs> and their life was horrible. They're living paycheck to paycheck, jumping from market waiting, to market because yep, you're for the, the next first opportunity. person to get fired. Yep. Probably divorced. Probably mm-hmm. got a drinking or drug problem. <laughs> There's a lot of that that goes on, but it's just, it's a horrible life on I, there, but it's, it's fun. Man, I tell people it's kind of like, um, when I was a kid, my dad never wanted me to watch like the behind the scenes on movies because to him that ruined the magic of it. I'm with you. And you know, now I, I, I do like, I do enjoy watching that stuff. But when I started working in radio, man, it, it killed it for me because I saw, you know, when I got in, it was early 2000s as well. There was voice tracking. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's just like, wait, that's how that's how this works? Yeah. That's how you do that? And it it was really disheartening. Uh, and, you know, probably too much. I probably took it too hard. Well, you I'm know? older than you, so I got, to, I got to experience the other side of it. I mean, when I worked in Harrison, Arkansas, Mm-hmm. Um, I actually spun 45s on a turntable. Oh, wow. And did slip cues and all that stuff that yeah. they told you about yeah. in production school. And you're like, seriously, <laughs> yeah. people people did this? I don't even know like, if they yeah. <laughs> might have well, been. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> yeah. they, you were probably past that at that point. But yeah, I mean, I I did all that stuff. And we had a color-coded record system yeah. where they would put it in these different sleeves. And uh-huh. you would play... You know, you grab a red and then you grab a blue and then a green and a, a red and a gold and then a red. And I mean, red obviously were your popular songs. Yeah. There were maybe seven of them. Yeah. And they changed them out. And those are getting played four times a day at, at least. Well, they're getting played probably or every, a sh- every other hour. Yeah. Or a shift is what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're playing them a lot. Yeah. So um, those are the songs that my program director said. About the time that you're ready to throw this out the window mm-hmm. because you've heard it so many times <laughs> is about the time the public's starting to go, hey, have you heard that new song? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's, a, yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. That's the song, probably- uh, do you remember the song Yeah by Usher and like Ludacris and Lil Jon? 
I'm not going to sing it. But I don't remember, but if I mm-hmm. heard it, I probably... Bum, bum. Oh, yes, they still play it. Oh, I hate that song. I hate that song with a passion. So that had they a... played it at every sporting event forever. Yeah. No, no pun intended. But yeah, yeah I mean, that, that song <laughs> went that. through... I went through that, but then it, it went through this weird resurgence where it died off and it got popular again. And I mean, I think for two or three years in a row, that song was in heavy rotation and you just, you're just like, Oh, can we stop? Can we do anything oh, else? Anything yeah, else? I mean, there are some songs that live on forever and, and you don't have a problem with them. Like Gary Glitter's song that gets played at every sporting event. Oh yeah. Um, um, so the, the blues still play it to mm-hmm. this day. Yeah. What's the song? It's a, Da, na, na. Hey, is that it? Yes, but I can't remember the name. Yeah, if you hadn't asked me, I, it was right on the tip that's of my okay. tongue when I said it. So I know who did it, right? So how many people know? I that think it's Gary called Glitter? "Hey," and it's his only. <laughs> it's his only song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there are some of those songs that you're just like, I'm so sick of this. Yeah. But I got to experience all of the transition into radio. If you've got a deep voice like that. Depending on whatever radio station you're on, they just assume that's who you are. Sure. So I'll never forget um, Pierre Troop, who's one of our sales guys at Magic. Um, he had a, a client, Tommy Tucker, Tucker's Department Store. So Tucker's Department Store down in St. Louis, especially through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Tucker's was a big deal okay. downtown. That's where you used to always go to get your concert tickets. Like Tommy okay. was wired in. Great guy. So... Tommy was very particular about his commercials as well. Mm-hmm. So Pierre had me start doing his commercials. So Tommy loved the commercials and Pierre's, uh, Tommy said, Hey, I'd like to meet Mike Mitchell. Mike Mitchell was my on-air name. Oh, gotcha. Then. So, um, which is another story that's kind of funny. So, uh, Pierre's like, Hey, Tommy Tucker <laughs> wants to meet you. And I'm like, okay. And oh, he man. said, so I got, I got Tommy uh, coming in on Thursday to yeah. get a spot with you. I'm like, okay. This is like a sit. It's like a sitcom. It, I can already. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So um, Pierre is just so excited about Tommy <laughs> Tucker coming in, and I'm like, why are you so excited? He said, I'm just looking forward to Tommy Tucker meeting Mike Mitchell. That's all there is to it. Gonna be a great day. And Pierre always had uh, a great saying, right? Okay. Let two great hands meet. You're great, and so am I. Okay. Like there was always something. Yeah. To throw in there. So Tommy shows up and Pierre opens the door to the production studio and he said, Tommy Tucker, Mike Mitchell. And he just kind of stepped back and Tommy looked at me and his mouth just dropped (laughs) and he starts laughing. And I'm like, hi, stuck my hand out and said, nice to meet you, Mr. Tucker. And he goes, Avi Doug, you're a white guy. (laughs) And I went, Pretty much all my life. Yeah. Yep. That's that's how it's been. And he looked at Pierre and slapped him on the on the shoulder and he goes, I'll be damned. That's why you've been laughing all day. And he's like, I've been waiting for this moment. It turns out that Tommy had talked about with Pierre. He's like, Thank God you finally got a good black man to do production. Oh, he's building station. he's building it up. So he he had no idea and Pierre never corrected him and Tommy just assumed yeah. that's what it was. The but situation I, I had uh in my mind was that you would be in the same room, you know, and he'd be like, where's Mike Mitchell? Right. right. <laughs> and you're Pierre like, just right broke here. it straight out like that. So I, I thought it was really funny. It's That's like, good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm black from the mouth to the shoulders. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've got it right there in, in the vocal box. It was just really funny. And it, it, it speaks to this kind of things that we do every day. We just prejudge people, right? Sure. All the time. Yeah. And it, it's funny when you strip all that stuff away and you just judge people on their talent. It changes everything. Absolutely. So I, I, I loved magic for so many different reasons, and it, it was a great experience, and I learned a lot from being there. How? Uh, let's get back to Arkansas. How did you get to St. Louis? Was it just a, looking for a job and a market change? So lost my job in Little Rock. Was okay. working part time at a station called Zoo ninety eight. Um, okay. Uh, a husband and wife couple who I worked with, who were middays in music. Got a job in St. Louis to sign on Hot 97. Okay. Which was going to be a new Top 40 station. So yeah. this was June of 1989. Mm-hmm. And they got the job, came up here, and they said, um, we need a production guy. So he called me. And at the time, I was doing fill-in DJ work, not production. And he goes, hey, Mike, I need a production guy in at our radio station. And I've got an AM news station 630 
as well and said, um, would you be willing to come to St. Louis? Mm-hmm. I'm like, Derek, I need a job. Is this yeah. a full-time gig? And yeah. he goes, it is. And I said, I'm in. Yeah. He goes, here's the deal. Uh-huh. Um, I can't pay you a lot hmm. and I can't pay your moving expenses. Can you say what's not a lot in 1989 in radio? Because I have a number in my head, but I, I mean. 19,000. Okay. 19,000. It's actually more than what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so it was $19,000 and I moved up here with what fit in my car uh-huh. and they let me throw a bed on their moving truck. So okay. I moved a bed up here mm-hmm. and then whatever would fit in my car. And wow. that's how I came to St. Louis. That's and how you got to St. Louis. I lived in Canterbury Gardens there at Del Mar and I-70, okay. Del Mar and 170. So I, I lived right there, worked in Clayton in the 16th floor of the Sevens building. And I thought I made it. Yeah. I mean, I'm in St. Louis. I'm in Clayton. Market 20-ish at that time? Oh, no. At the time, we were market 15. Really? Yeah. It's before St. Louis lost every corporate headquarters that sure. it had, yeah. right? Yeah, it makes and sense. And we just psh, yeah. died. So you you move from, I imagine you're in the, I mean, mid-hundreds market-wise, where was, you're at. Uh, I think I went from 83 to 15. Is that high? Yeah, 83? Little Rock was 83. Oh, Little Rock. That's right. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. So I went from, from Little Rock, so it was 83 to market 15. And so people you know that aren't familiar with radio, that's not a normal jump. That's Usually huge. it's like 83 to 65, 65 to 42. Right. 40. You've got a few moves to get to 15. Yeah. Unless you're from St. Louis, unless and you're from there, yeah. You're Mark Close, and you start working at Casey as your first radio job. <laughs> well, she's yeah. just like, really? Yeah. All right. Or John Hewlett, and you've you've been at Casey since you know they were spinning records, right? Forty years. So you moved to Market Fifteen. You're just producing, and you've no, got I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm production guy. Production guy. But I had to do a weekend on air shift as well. Okay. So six days a week for nineteen grand. Jeez. Yeah, it was fun, but the overnight guy turned out that uh his sister was a hairstylist mm-hmm. and uh I, I was talking about i needed to get my hair cut one day and he goes hey my sister's a hairstylist you should go see her so one thing turned into another and 30 years later she's still my wife oh there you go so okay I'm, i met my wife through uh, my overnight guy who's now my brother-in-law oh cool getting so, your haircut getting my haircut yeah how did you get excuse me how did you get to St. Charles. And I know there's probably a lot in there, but. Uh, there's really not. Um, okay. We lived out in uh, Bennington Place. Oh, yeah. Which is. Uh, like at, Maryland at the, Heights. Yeah. At yeah. the time, Page Extension ended mm-hmm. right there at Bennington's before 364 came through. Right. And um, I had a one bedroom, one bath apartment out there. Okay. Um, went through a, a number of different um, radio jobs. Sure. Because uh, I'd lost my job. Four times. Okay. Yeah. It's just welcome, due to cuts and looking radio. Yeah. Format changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um we were living there and uh K KWRE, what was it called? What was their AM station? Um it's one of Brian Richardson's stations. KFAV? Now. KFAV. So KFAV was signing on. And I thought I was gonna go work for KFAV mm-hmm. as their production guy. And I was working part-time at KSD when it was Classic Rock. Okay. And 93.7 was Classic Rock mm-hmm. at the time, before yep. it was country. And I thought I was going to do weekends at KSD and then production at uh, uh, Casper stations. Okay. And I ended up moving to St. Charles to split the difference. Oh, gotcha. And Just so, a geography thing. Yep, a geography thing to make it closer because Warrington's not close. Right. right. I didn't want to drive all the way out there. And St. Charles offered me an, a nicer apartment at a cheaper price. And yeah. I thought that would be good. So we moved out here in 91. You're right. That really was kind of anticlimactic, I thought. It really, yeah. yeah it, <laughs> it was nothing big. But you're still here. I'm still here after all this time. And love it. Yeah, good. And so I want to get into that maybe in a minute uh, because, the, you know, I do want to kind of feature St. Charles. Welcome to your four well. hour podcast. Well, you know, I was not scared is the wrong word, but I was, you know, I, the ideal podcast for someone like me is probably 20 to 30 minutes, right? Like I, we're going to edit all of this. I know. Yeah. I, I don't think I want to. I think I just maybe put a, you know, a, um, a warning or a, you know, <laughs> Wait, on there. This, this, this is, is going to really be long. long. But I, I knew that you coming here, I knew it was going to be longer, and I wanted it to be longer because well, I don't know you that well. 
Um, okay. But you're super interesting to me. It, it's a and, it's a one on one. We just having <laughs> Mountain Dews instead of coffee. That's, that's right. how it works. Um, but yeah, I, I know that you've got a lot of stories because every time I talk to you, there's <laughs> there's a great story, and it's it, but it's great. But I leave I leave the conversation going like, man, I want I want more of that. You know, that's good. And so yeah, and most people leave going, gee, that was that was enough, Mike Elam. I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I don't know. I. I'm a story guy, you I, know, I love stories. And so that's what I want to get into. And, you know, maybe most people have turned this off by now. So maybe it's just for us and that's fine. <laughs> Could be. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to talk about how, like, I think your unofficial name or how I've heard you introduced is the voice of St. Charles. Yeah, I, I picked that up along the way. Yeah. And that's I assume that's just from doing like anytime uh, I go to like a charity event or something with a city or something it's you're hosting it you're emceeing it yep. you're involved somehow um and i know from working in radio how that happens someone's like hey let's this guy's got a good voice he's on the radio let's get him here is that how that started and how did it grow and i guess kind of talk about doing that so i um i joined saint charles noonday rotary club oh yeah okay so harold hogarth that uh, does not meet at noon does it meet at like 7.15 or something? Well, Noonday does. So the Noonday Club, the okay. original St. Charles Rotary Club, meets at noon. Um, and Harold Hogarth, who I went to church with, mm-hmm. um, said in 2002, he said, well, if you're going to be getting into sales, you should join a community club. So he said, you should join Rotary. So I joined Rotary. And I thought, man, I'm way in over my head because all these people who are here like the leaders of the community. Yeah. I mean, Steve Elman at the time was a state senator. Um, Tom Dempsey was a house of uh, a, a state rep. Right. Um, and then Sally Faith was a uh, county council member. Mm-hmm. We had judges. We had uh, Jim Fitch, who was uh, the president of the gas club. And I mean, all gas club. Uh, I was going to ask what the gas club St. was. St. Charles, Charles Gas Company. Okay. Sorry, before it was a cleed, before it was Spire. Okay. So uh, it, it was just a, a who's who of all the big name people. Yeah. Lisa Bowie is in the club, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, okay, major. Yeah, uh, big players. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got into that and they had an, a rotary auction that they put together every year. Okay. And it was four rotary clubs of the county who came together to put this together. And they said, hey, would you emcee the auction? And I'm like, haven't really done that but okay sure so i started doing that and then after i finished uh the first auction which i had a great time i don't know if anybody else did but (laughs) i i had a fun time and kelly bellman who's the executive director of dasa disabled athlete sports association amazing person that you should talk to at some point okay she's just she has a great story and just huge state of texas size heart right cool person said, hey, will you do my auction? And I'm like, I'll play. Well, someone liked auction? it, yeah. And she goes, Dasa. I'm like, what's Dasa? Yeah. So then she filled me in on that, and I've been doing Kelly's auction for 20 years now. Okay. Right? So started with that, which got me exposed to other people. And then people started asking, mm-hmm. hey, would you do my event? Would you do my event? And I never thought to ask to charge. Oh, man. Yeah. So probably should have <laughs> at, at some point said... <laughs> So here's my fee. Yeah. Um, but I, I started doing that. And uh, started, what's funny is the fat guy with bad knees gets asked to MC races. Okay. Right? So all these 5K events came up. Yeah. Trivia night started happening. Sure. People are like, hey, you've got a good voice. You're easy to listen to. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you an 85. Rate a record throwing back to American okay. Bandstand for the older people. <laughs> um, so I, I just started doing those events. And it got up to where... The most events I did in one year, I think, was 27. Oh, wow. That I, I emceed. And so that's like two, two a month? Yeah. Well, it's, it's one Every of the kind of things where my wife starts going, hey, yeah, you know, you're not getting paid for any of these. Uh, uh, and this is a lot of time away. Yeah. And you got three kids. And I'm kind of, you know, tired of it. Yeah. Uh, the weekends are our time together. Back it up. So I, I backed it down to about 20. Okay. Um, and then COVID happened. Still not charging? Still not charging. Uh, some people were nice enough to give me gift cards and things like sure. that. And then, you know, friends of mine start going, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> do you realize people 
are getting paid yeah. like a thousand dollars to MC this event. And mm-hmm. I'm like, seriously? And they're yeah. like, yeah. So I, I really haven't been paid much. I'll we'll um, just sign you on to the acres management team and it, it, I'll take it. I'll just take a small cut. You, you get me, you get me paid. Uh, I've threatened Erica land to do that. Cause she keeps saying, Mike, you've, you've got to ask for money for these. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I pretty much every event that I do with very few exceptions are charity events. Well, and, and you like to do it. I right? do. I, I love to do it. Yeah. My wife has a caveat that she asked me when I'll, I'll say, Hey, do you want to go to this event? And she's like, uh, are you working or are we attending? Mm. And I'm like, I'm working. And yeah. she's like, I'm out. No, yeah. Because she gets stuck at a table by herself. And mm-hmm. even though she's a hairstylist, she's more of an introvert. She's okay. good one-to-one talking. Like yeah. if she was doing a podcast with you, she'd be great. Yeah. But put her at a table with, you know, nine people that she doesn't know. Yeah, she doesn't want to perform. And no. Yeah. And she's like, I, I don't know you. You know my husband. Yeah. And I have, <laughs> I don't know anything about you. And why you're here. So she's kind of like, no. Now, the things that she will pretty much always go to is the Dassey event. Mm-hmm. Because she's like everybody else and loves Kelly Bellman. Um, and then she goes to the Mayor's Charity Ball every okay. year. Which is my favorite event to MC. And you work both of those? I do. Okay. I work both of those events. Uh, it's very rare that I go to an event anymore that I'm not the MC. Okay. Just because I emceed so many things. You don't want to go when I, you're... Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one more thing that I have to go do. Sure. Where sometimes you just want to sit and chill, mm-hmm. right? We were talking about our fascinations with beer mm-hmm. uh, off air earlier. <laughs> and sometimes I just want to sit and watch football and have a cold one and enjoy myself. Yeah. Right? And, and not talk sometimes, and, right? Well, I... I don't, I don't know if that ever happens. <laughs> it's funny when I MC the Mo Cowbell event, uh-huh. I start talking at seven thirty in the morning and I read everyone's name when they cross the finish line. Oh, I was going to ask, how do you MC? Cause that's a half marathon. It, Is it a full two? It's a, it's a so full and a half. It's a full marathon, a half marathon, a half marathon and a 5k. Okay. All rolled into one. And so we'll have the most I think we've had is 6,000 runners. Okay. So we're normally between five and 6,000 people who run yeah. in the event. And they're finishing a 5K in 30 minutes or I'm off there. But so the, the fast kids will finish it in 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So those young, fast. Maybe you I know, finish it in 30. It, so you're reading names starting 17 minutes in. Because I was going to ask you, what, what are you doing? At, how do you MC a race? I'm, I'm reading everybody's name and then I'm just making observations uh, <laughs> up until 2.30 in the afternoon. So I start talking at 7.30 in the morning and finish around 2.30, 2.45. Um, which, you know, my wife says for you, that's a day that ends in Y. But for right. anybody else, that's a lot of talking. Yeah, and even for me, that's that's a lot of talking. But for the most part, there's just you know people are streaming across the finish yeah. line, and I, I try to act excited for them because for a lot of them, it's a personal victory. Sure, right? They've never run a five k. They've never yeah. run a half marathon. They've never run a marathon. Although I will tell you, when when you get post one thirty, and you have you know three minutes in between people coming across the finish line Uh and you got nothing to do. Yeah. So at that point, I have no idea what I'm saying. (laughs) It just kind of rolls off the tongue and you're making observations about whatever is going on at the time. Yeah. And then I hear about comments that I make. People go, oh my gosh, that was so funny when you said such and such. You don't remember. You have no recollection. I said that. I had no idea. You're just on autopilot and just kind of filling the space. It's play-by-play, right? So whenever you do play-by-play, the great part about play-by-play sports is you're just talking about what's happening in front of you and explaining it. Sure. That's what it is when you do a race. Okay. You're just talking about what's going on in front of you. And you're injecting. It may be a runner. Yeah. It may be people along the side. Uh It may be people that are working the event. It may be just a random thought that popped into my head. Yeah. (laughs) Because at those times, I should have more of a filter than what I do. Sure. But I don't. So that's why I always joke of I love speaking at events because I'm always interested in what I'm going to say. Yeah, I uh, like that. And I never really know until it happens. <laughs> Some Sometimes it's better than others. Uh, for example, when uh, the county council position came up, uh-huh. uh, there were 
nine of us who interviewed for the appointment because Nancy Matheny, who is a great council person, stepped down after she and her husband moved and she moved out of the district. Okay. So the opening came up and nine people applied for it. So I went in to do my interview mm-hmm. for the position. And uh, did you ever see the movie The Jerk with Steve Martin? Oh, I love The Jerk. So yeah. the movie starts off with him saying... Grew up a poor black child in Mississippi. Right. So I was born a poor black job. So when I sit down to start the interview, and I've got Steve Elman and oh, Joanne no. Lycom and Terry Hollander <laughs> oh, no. and Nancy Matheny all sitting across from me, and they're going to decide who gets this position, right? Uh-huh. And I kind of knew Steve. I didn't know the others. Right. So they said, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, boy. And I said, well, I was born a poor black job. And that went over like a lead balloon. And it was like... Okay, so I, oh. I can tell that was a poor start. I was just quoting the Steve Martin movie, yeah. The Jerk. Thought maybe it would be funny. <laughs> and and I've learned now that that wasn't, so I want to apologize right now for, for that. God. Uh, but that was... No one, no one laughed? No one laughed. Yeah. Oh, no. And Did and, you think that was going <laughs> to... I just... I, it's a great... I mean, it's one of the best lines to open a movie, if not the best. It, it is. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. I just, and I thought they knew it. Yeah, because right? I mean, it's the these, same. It's a right age group. Everyone in the room was older than me. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay. Yeah. Well, they're all much mature. Sure. Much more mature than me. Yeah. So you know, I'm quoting a Steve <laughs> Martin comedy, and they're looking at me like that was extremely inappropriate. Oh my god. And I'm like, well, that was a fun political career. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, I made up for it in in the rest of the interview. Sure. And I ended up getting the nomination to the to the county council. Yeah. And that's kind of how I ended up on there and been reelected twice since then. But yeah, that was, that was one comment away from going, that's, we're done with that guy. That's impressive to recoup from that. Honestly. You, I mean, that's sometimes you just fall on your sword and yeah. do a Mia Copa and I'm, <laughs> Hey, I'm so sorry. I was trying to be funny. Yeah. I can tell by your face that wasn't, Yeah, but I think when you make mistakes, it's important to just admit them as sure. soon as you can yeah. and ask for forgiveness. And yeah. normally I've found that if if you admit your faults as soon as it happens, yeah. people are very forgiving. Well, I think, so, I mean, you know, putting myself in their position, I think part of the, uh, why they would be, it's not, it's not that they would be offended. It's like, man, this guy is, is unaware of what's happening he's not taking this seriously yeah and then by admitting that you go okay he just he just made a mistake because when you don't admit it you just leave you let them make their own assumptions about what you're thinking or what you're doing exactly yeah it's like whoa whoa, whoa. sorry that oh, was man that was my bad good I, lesson yeah i wanted to ask about uh when you talked about talking for that length of time yeah and and as many events as you do do you do anything for your voice do you have to do you have a regimen or do you have to do anything? No, I I don't, but it's probably because I I just wear it out on a regular basis, right? That's just what so it is. Talking yeah. is different than singing. Sure. You're not straining. Right. Uh, if you're a singer, you're you're gonna have to be careful. Right. Right. Um, but I've I've done stuff over the years where you gargle with salt water, mm-hmm. uh, suck on lemons, peppermints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but being a a coffee addict uh-huh. is not good. I wouldn't think so. No, it dries out your vocal cords. Yeah. So you've got to uh, continually slam water. Water, yeah. Yeah. When did um, when did your voice become what it is? Like, yeah, was there 11 to 12 or 12 to 13 or was... Early... Uh, seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> when, I remember when I was six yeah. and I was sitting there talking to the babysitter. Hey, baby, how are you? Um it was uh, probably 13, 14. Okay. Is when the Peter Brady, you know, voice change happened. No reference nope. to Brady Bunch. I mean, right? I know who Peter Brady is, okay. but I. <laughs> so Brady Bunch episode. There's an episode there's a, where his voice changes. There's an episode changes. where his voice okay. changes, you know. <laughs> when it's time to change, you have to rearrange. The Brady Bunch group sings a song. And oh, really? Peter's in that song. Oh, that's so, good. So Google that one, you know. <laughs> Brady Bunch singers, time to change. And okay. It, Talked, they feature Peter's changing voice. Interesting. Um, yes. All the I spent way too many hours with television. And not even yeah, no, good that's television. Good. No, that's good. So, I mean, I think that's I think that fits in with um I would say guys like you and I who you know, it's the I don't know if it's the art form or the entertainment or there's something about 
the production. I don't know. There's always been something fascinating to me about music, radio, film, TV, how it's made. You know, I don't know. So, I mean, I, I watch a show that's maybe not a good show, but maybe they're doing something interesting or whatever. And, you know, there's a cool story or just a different take. Yeah. It's, it's fun to check out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit more about St. Charles. Okay. And then we'll let everyone stop listening to our podcast here. What? Um, but they got to go check out the podcast <laughs> with you and Candace. That yes. is award-winning. Yeah, so well, thanks. Go check out CNC Candle Factory and, and get you. your ten dollars yeah. candles with beeswax. We're burning some here. That's why the air is so refreshing. Yeah, we got rid of the bad juju. Exactly. I tell you what, I, I'm not. I don't buy in. I'm a natural skeptic on most things. Okay. And so when you come at me with like essential oils or whatever, I'm like, oh, you know, it's not, I'm not mad at you, but I just don't, I don't I'm, believe it. I'm not it. buying it. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, these candles are, they're all organic and they're beeswax and you read this thing on what they're supposed to do. And I'm like, well, it doesn't smell. How is it going to make a room smell better? Right. But it really does work. And I don't just say that. There's a reason I burn them up here is it really does neutralize and just give it kind of a, um, a baseline scent. And so, well, how old is uh, Candace? Uh, Cadence. Cadence. Yeah. Sorry. How it's old okay. is Cadence? She is, she'll be nine in December. So she did a really nice job. Yeah. It's, thanks. It's 16 minutes of great entertainment. You listened if, to if it. You, I did listen to it. I thought it. you yeah. were just giving lip service and I was going to let you give it, but, but no, yeah, cool. I, thank I, you. I legit, hey, it's the Ed Akers podcast. And <laughs> I think that was the first one yeah. that you did. Yeah. So uh, I was watching your Facebook live and talking about okay. it. So I clicked yeah. on the link and yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, I have a daughter. Yeah. So I don't have two because, you know, I only ended up with one. But, yeah. Um, I wanted to. I wanted to check it out, and she's so uh, entertaining. And well, thanks. You did a great job, and she's very it. well spoken for nine. I, yeah, I think that was great. I learned all about you know the candles. I learned that you're a CNC music factory person, which you know <laughs> is not something I would have put in, on tape if I were you. But well, you so know, you did it. Yeah. So Cadence and Campbell is my other daughter, right. and she's six, and she's you know, Cadence is has such a a big heart, and and really just wanted to get her involved, uh, and so you know, it's CNC. That's, it's just, you know, I think that song came out, I was probably 10 and that was, that was another one of the songs that was all over everybody dance now. Well, and um, I saw the girls at the chamber event. Yeah, that's right. That, that yeah. we did with Cottleville Weldon Spring yeah. Chamber. And I thought they were just as cute as they could be oh, that day. And mom's I, fault. Well, it's <laughs> clearly if, if the kids are good, it's always mom's fault, right? If the kids are not so good, yeah, dad raised that's that right. one. I'm, I'm familiar. I know how that works. Uh, but I, I thought it was really cool and it was, it was a really good 16 minute listen. So yeah. I appreciate that. It's very cool. Um, let's talk about St. Charles. Let's talk about, um, you moved here just to kind of split the difference. What's kept you here? The and, community. Okay. Um, so growing up in, in Northwest Arkansas, I like that, um, I like that community feel. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knew everybody. Yeah. St. Charles County is the biggest small town you've ever lived Isn't in. Isn't it? Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. What's funny is uh, Karen Miller, who works for Spectrum now, she used to work at the EDC. Mm-hmm. And when she first got the job at the EDC, and she and I were talking one day, and she goes, there's so many people to get to know. And I said, there's really not. No. <laughs> there's a hundred people you need to know in St. Charles. Yeah. And then you know everybody. Yep. And I saw her a few months after that. And I'm like, hey, how's how's the job going? And she goes, you were exactly right. Yeah. She goes, there are a hundred people that are at everything. Yep. And once you get to know those hundred people, you've got a connection to everybody yeah, exactly. in St. Charles. And I said, that's, that's how I found it. That is true. I've just found St. Charles County to be so inviting mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. This last couple of years has, has changed that a bit, okay. but um, for the most part, I've, I've found it to be that way. I've, I've found that there is old St. Charles County and new St. Charles County. Definitely. And I call it um, Mid Rivers Mall East, Mid Rivers Mall West. Okay. So once you get west of Mid Rivers Mall, you get a lot of people that are like me. Didn't grow up here. Sure. Um, Mike Klinghammer, who is a... Uh, economic development director for the city of St. Charles. He and I were on county council together and and Mike said, yeah, you're not real St. Charles County until you're five generations in. You know, someone Uh, else said that it's like, you can, you can live here for 20 years and I've been here for 16 now. You're still the new guy. A hundred percent. By all means. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, they're generations that are here. Yeah. And they are the names on the streets. Yep. Right? Yep. Or in Terry Hollinger's case, the name on the basketball court, right? <laughs> that's that's just how it is. Yeah. But once you get west of Mid-Rivers, uh-huh. you get a bunch of people who moved in. Now, there, there are those of you like you mm-hmm. who settled into the city yeah. of St. Charles. So you're kind of the odd man out. For sure. Uh, you're... You're a transplant who made it here in the heartland. For sure. So it's like, hey, how did we let that one in? Yeah. Well, I guess he's going to be okay. You're still on trial. You know, people, people, 16 years, you're still the new guy. People have follow-up questions when I tell them that I'm from Hazelwood, which is like seven minutes away. Right. You know, I mean, the house I grew up in is like seven minutes away from the house that I'm in now. Um, and it, for me, it was just a thing of, I, I graduated high school in 2000, and so late 90s, you know, was the mall scene and we had Northwest Plaza and we had Jamestown, North County, but we would come out here to mid rivers mall, even in 97, yeah, to go see a movie or just for a change of scenery, you know? Um, but I went away to college in Mississippi. I moved back in 2004 or five. Southern Miss guy? Southern Miss. Southern Miss. Yeah. Okay. It's not, there's another podcast. Yeah, probably. Um, but when I moved back here, uh, exactly what you said, everyone was in, St. Peter's or West. Right. Not a lot in Wentzville. St. Peter's, O'Fallon. The extension started in St. Peter's. Yeah. And then it it just exploded in O'Fallon. Yeah. And then Wentzville is seeing the explosion times two. Yes. After that. But you you really find out, okay, the transplants are here. Mm -hmm. Like my wife is Maryland Heights. So she went to Pattonville. Mm -hmm. And when we went back for her 20th high school reunion, they had it at uh, what at the time I guess was Patrick's. There at Dorset and 270. Oh, yeah. And um, now I, I think it's Cyberg's that's over there. But yes. they, they have a room that you can use. So they had it there. Okay. And almost everyone there lived in St. Charles County yeah. now. They all moved out yeah. here. I'm like, holy crap. When I talk to someone now, and I try not to I try not to have this come across, I guess the cat will be out of the bag now. But if I talk to someone from high school, like, oh, yeah, I live in Florissant. I'm like, why? <laughs> Like I just, and I don't mean it like, why, like, why do you live there? I just, I guess I expect them to say that they live here. Hey, I'm, I'm in O'Fallon now, yeah. or I'm in Cottleville. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I find it so crazy of how many people, Maryland Heights, Bridgeton, Florissant, Hazelwood have all moved yeah. to St. Charles. It's so close. Well, and I mean, years ago, probably when you came out still, you could get a larger plot of ground and oh, yeah. you could get a nicer house mm-hmm. for the same amount of money or less. Yeah. And lower taxes. Right. And and different political structure. Um yeah. if if you're into that stuff. Wasn't on my mind at twenty three years old, but Oh, I get it. Yeah. Um but it's it's one of those kind of things of when you get out here, it's easy to immerse yourself into the community. I mean, when you start looking at all the different chambers that are here, I mean we have four really great chambers. Yeah. And I think they're all unique. Right, yeah. Greater St. Charles Chamber has its own thing. Mm-hmm. Cottleville Weldon Spring, completely different yeah. vibe. O'Fallon the same way, and then the Western Chamber is like, hey, here's a bunch of transplants who all moved yeah. in, and they're <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on, yeah. right? But it, you know, great chamber in the Western Chamber, yeah. Um, but everybody just looking for that connection. It's easy to make that connection, mm-hmm. whether or not you're really ingrained is a different question. Because the old folks will always still have you at, well, you're still that new family, yeah. right? You've only been here for 20 years. Right. I've been here for 100, uh-huh. right? Or my family has been here that long. Yeah. So it's it's interesting uh, as to how that works. But St. Charles just became home. Sure. And uh, a lot of it had to do with Rotary. And okay. getting to know those who's who people mm-hmm. helped me meet all kinds of other people. Yeah. And then... Um, Finding people who would come along and be a mentor. So for me, the the guy who really cemented me in St. Charles County is Ben Blanton. Okay. Who, if you've seen Blanton Construction around, okay. uh, his son Jeff runs the company now, but Ben built the company. And we went to church together and we had uh, sons the same age. He had an adopted son who was the same age as my oldest son. So we were always at Awana's or some event that mm-hmm. was going on together. And Ben and I would just start talking, waiting to pick up the boys. And we got to be friends. And he just kind of came alongside and said, you know, I think you're a good young young lad. Uh, 
<laughs> you should you should get to know this person. Was this a nineteen thirties movie person. that you had just entered into? It was pretty much that way. <laughs> I mean, uh, I was so lucky to get to meet somebody like Ben. Yeah. I mean, he's not dead. He's still he's still alive. He just doesn't live here anymore. Okay. He lives at uh, Lake of the Ozarks in Florida. Yeah. That's pretty much where they are now. Um, but just a, a great guy, super connected in the community, knew all those who's who people, right. is one of those who's who people right. who made St. Charles County what it is. And that's really where the idea uh, came from with uh, Vision St. Charles Leadership and okay. the protege program. Okay, It came from me meeting guys like Jim Fitz and John Hammond and... Ernie Dempsey and uh, Ron Hollis and Ben Blanton. Mm-hmm. These were all the people who made St. Charles County what it is. Yeah. And they saw the mistakes happen. They were the reason for putting all the pieces into place. They weren't the elected people. They yeah. were the people who got people elected. Does that make sense? At 100% makes you sense. You have and your still elected officials yeah. who are out there, but then you have <clears> your <throat> community stakeholders, your mm-hmm. community leaders, and those are the ones who really... Uh, they put a stamp on you and said, this one's, this one's okay. Yeah. You know, you can go with this guy. Yeah. Um, so Ben was that guy who came along and introduced me to all those people. And that's cool. how I got to be chairman of the businessmen's prayer breakfast okay. for a couple of years. Yeah. And that's how I got to be involved with other, uh, communities, um, organizations that were out here. Very cool. Yeah. What, uh, what do we need? What are we missing here in St. Charles? You know, here's here's the thing that I would put on people's radar. We are at a sea change for St. Charles County mm-hmm. over the next five years. Um, one of the reasons, Aaron Williams, who used to be uh, O'Fallon Chamber yeah. President, mm-hmm. right? So Aaron and I used to kick around all these ideas together and just brainstorm with different things. And one of the ideas we came up with was mentors and millennials which okay. Skip Stevens, who put the protege program together with his sure. vision class, said, love the idea, hate the name. It's yeah. not tied to it, man, <laughs> just a thought. But the thought behind it was we're losing all these old heads, if you will. Yes. The guys who who paved the way and whose shoulders that we're standing on, they're, they're passing away or they're moving away. Mm-hmm. And we just lost Ron Hollis earlier this year. Ron Hollis is the guy who established... Habitat for Humanity in St. Charles County. Oh, okay. So the reason we have Habitat St. Charles is because Ron brought the idea and had the connections to make it happen. Cool. So we need to be aware of those people, Mm -hmm. but we were losing them and we were losing this institutional knowledge that was going away. And we weren't pouring that into the next generation because all of us who move out here and we love it and we want this to be our home... Mm -hmm don't know the history. So we need to make them aware. Well, you're getting ready to see a sea change of county executive, mayors, aldermen, council people. A lot of those folks are getting ready to turn the page and go on to whatever their next chapter is. That may be quicker than five years here in the city. It it may. Well, I mean, Bernie Debray, who's been at uh, Fort Zumwalt School District, he's Mm -hmm. been the super, I think, for 30 plus years, just announced that he's retiring. Mm. So in 2023, he's going to be gone. He is the Dean of Education in St. Charles County. Yeah. And losing him is, is going to be a blow. But the question is, who's the next guy up? Right. Right. So I would tell you what we're missing is the pipeline. Okay. What we're missing is who is the next guy up? And we need the, the Ed Akers, the Justin Faust, the, those folks who are going to pop up to to step up and, and get involved, right? Yeah. So like the reason I know you is because you pour yourself into the community and you're always out there doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And we have folks like you. Yeah. Um, we just need more of you, okay. right? We need more of you to, to jump in. If that's running for office, great. If that's not your thing, that's fine too. But we need new generation of stakeholders in St. Charles County to take us to that next realm. Because we got a lot of folks in their uh, 70s and 80s who have said, I've done this for a long time. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting ready to be done. I mean... Do you think that we don't... Do you think that we don't have them because they're not here or that they're here and they're just not stepping up? Or what's, I, what's your I assessment? I think they're here mm-hmm. and 
they haven't necessarily had the pathway to step up sure. to this point because we've had someone ahead of them. Yeah. Right. So I think those positions are, are going to get opened. So as those positions get opened, uh, I want them to be willing to step up. So I don't know it's so much that they're missing. Mm-hmm. It's just that um, I want them to be ready. Gotcha. Um, like the way I got involved in in politics and being an elected official mm-hmm. is the way I wish most people would do it. I don't want you to go run for state rep because you want to be somebody. Right. I want you to go be somebody and then run for state rep. Okay. Right. So Wendy Hausman mm-hmm. is running for state rep. Yeah. I love the way that Wendy has gone about it to this point. You know, she's mom first. Yep. And then she is involved in uh, Little Black Book mm-hmm. and uh, Conservative Vision. Women's Group. She's involved in Vision. Mm-hmm. She's an ambassador in three different chambers. Yeah. I mean, sheesh, lady. Yeah. You know, take a nap. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to do everything. But uh, I'm I'm joking, but I'm. she really is all those things. Yeah. And she's been involved in the community, right? So when Wendy puts her name on the ballot and says, I'm going to run for this office, you don't need to get to know who's Wendy, right? I know her because she did all these things. Mm -hmm. So have you coached your kids, soccer team, baseball team, basketball team? Have you been involved in that at the, at the little league level when the kids are little, uh, are you involved in, uh, Rotary, Kiwanis, Optimus, Lions Club, something like that. Yeah. Are you serving on any charity boards? Are you involved in that? Are you on a, have you been through vision leadership? Are you on a vision um, executive level? Yeah. Uh, are you, are you part of BJC or Mercy or SSM's sure. foundation board? You know, things like that. Yeah. Have you jumped in and said, I'm willing to do the volunteer stuff to make my community better, to show you that I care about where we're going. Once you do that, then when you're ready to run for office, I'm all about you. Yeah. Because I know where your heart's at, right? Mm. I know you love this community. And I may not agree with you on every answer that you have, but the one thing I know is we're both going to come at it that we have hearts for our community. Yeah. And that's a big deal. That's awesome. Great conversation. I appreciate you coming over. Anything else you want to say? Shout out? Something going on? Something you want to plug? I'm running for re-election next year. So don't vote against me. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be great. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate all the stuff that you do. I love that you're doing the podcast thing. Uh, cool. I, I think this is great. It's it's tough to get your voice out, right? Yeah. And everybody has a voice. Yeah. And it's just so tough to get your voice out there, especially with fewer and fewer radio stations and TV opportunities. So podcasting gives you the opportunity to, to get your voice heard. And I love this setup that you have. I, I think this is great. And I'm so honored that you asked me Man, thank to you be for, on here. This I'm is, honored this that you're honor. here. I wasn't sure if you'd, you know, if you'd come out, uh, why wouldn't you're I Ed Akers. Well, Let, let's you be know. real. If Ed Akers <laughs> asks, man, you go. That's, that's exactly how it works. I appreciate that's gonna be my tagline. If Ed Akers ask, you go. Yeah. I, I think you should. Let's make it happen. And I won't even charge you for it. <laughs> That's a common thread with you. <laughs> it is. I appreciate the opportunity. It's been fun. Thanks, Mike.